Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. You know what I mean? It just doesn't compute, you know? The law is the law. Peter, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. People were there. We will continue to raise our voices. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Oh, what a weekend. Lads, what a weekend. Went home on Friday. Sat out back with a book, and yes, there was a can of beer involved. And I literally came in over the weekend only to go to bed. I mean, what a weekend! Fabulous, fabulous, fabulous. Here's hoping that we get more of that and soon. Good morning, Monday morning. What do you think about something for me? Because uh, we're going to talk about COVID 19 and where we go from here now, because Boris Johnson will confirm. This evening, we expect that they're holding back on their reopening date. They were due to reopen everything on the 21st of June, which is this day week. Now they're going to hold back on that for a month, for at least three weeks, possibly four weeks. They're going to hold back because of this blasted Delta variant. And over the weekend, we hear that we might just be tightening up now a little bit on people coming here from the UK because that's where the Delta variant is now. We've got it here. We've got a couple of hundred cases here, a couple of hundred, couple of clusters around the country. It hasn't taken over here yet, but if it does, we're in trouble because our vaccination program isn't yet at a point where it's ahead of this damn thing. So I want you to think about it. Um, do you think that we should tighten up on travel from the UK. Anyone who's not vaccinated, and I'm going to push this idea further than the government will push it. Anybody who's not vaccinated, unless it is an emergency journey coming over here, needs to go into a hotel. I'm sorry, that's where I stand. I make no apology to a living soul for it. If you're coming over here from the UK and it's not essential and you're not vaccinated, then, sorry, the hotel is that way, dude. And here's the bill. Because that's the only way, if we do this for a month or six weeks, it's the only way 
we'll clamp this thing down. I think my first guest might agree with me, Professor, Professor Anthony Staines. Good morning to you. How are you? Good. Would you agree with me, Anthony? It's time to get ruthless for a few weeks to keep this thing at the levels we have and, and reduce them further even. I, I think we do. I think we do need to get tougher about it than we have been. I think the government has been very clear that they're willing to do that. I mean, the Taoiseach has said several times that if things change on the ground here, that the government will change their mind about you know, the reopening strategy and about quarantine. But they actually, I, I think we're at a point now, they actually have to do it. You know, mm. it's, it's become really important. But clearly Boris is, is concerned enough to take the, the political hit yeah. uh, of not fulfilling the June 21st promise. He, he's putting, you know, and it's sometimes we wonder, I'm, I'm very careful about choosing my words to praise Boris Johnson, but the decision he's about to make today is a political kick in the teeth for him, but in, term, in terms of public health is the right thing to do. I think he is right, and it is going to be difficult for him, and there is going to be a kickback, and nobody's going to like it. Nobody wants to go into further levels of restriction. But what I think we would say to the government here is this variant is spreading rapidly in Northern Ireland. It's become the dominant variant in the UK very quickly. It's more infectious than Mm. the ones we have right now. We saw the spike at Christmas, which was caused by a, a, a similar new variant that was more effective than the previous variants. So this, the, there is a risk this will happen again. We have a lot more people vaccinated, obviously, which is good. Mm. But there's still way more than enough people unvaccinated to allow us to have quite a nasty outbreak. Mm. Now, the number of people who die will probably be much smaller, but it won't be zero. And the number of people who get seriously ill will probably be much smaller. But there's enough, uh, potentially enough people to cause serious trouble for the health service. Mm. You you mentioned that it's now dominant in the north. Thankfully, in terms of population, they're well ahead of us uh, on on the vaccine. So so they're catching up, and you can see, but they only had 70 cases up there yesterday. Yeah, it's about a quarter of the cases in the north, apparently, are Delta variant. And that's you know, because they've been successful in controlling it, because they now have quite an aggressive public health response to new cases that arise, they should be they should be fine, and we should not we shouldn't be unduly worried by cases spreading from the north. It really is cases spreading from Britain, where case numbers are rising in England and Scotland. Mm. I would be more worried about. Yeah. Now I made the point there in my opening, and I'm. I would. It's, this is just my personal view, Anthony. I'm not a public health specialist, but I've, I've listened to enough of you over the last 12 months to realise that unless you are now fully vaccinated and can prove it, for the next six weeks, unless you have essential emergency level business in this country from the UK, into a hotel with you for 10 days. I think that's reasonable. The only point I would quibble about is paying for it. Because actually, if you do the sums... It's worth a fortune to the government to keep this variant out. It's worth billions right. to our tourists and to keep this variant out. I would, would suggest, it may not be a popular view, but I would suggest we actually pay for quarantine for people because many of the people who travel really do not have much choice about travelling. Mm. That's a lot of money from the taxpayer. It is, but if you think about the costs of... You know, unrestricted spread of 
COVID-19 in Ireland, they are billions and billions a week. We'd be very hard-pressed to spend $100 million in total on hotel quarantine for a year. It would be a struggle to spend that much. Right. So what we say, we're saying to the government all along is to take aggressive action, try and get ahead of this. Never have been, have been reacting to whatever the virus does. And the trouble is that by the time you notice what's going on, you're, you're, the cases we see are the cases of five to ten days ago. So you're, all, you're always in the hind foot with current data. That's just the way this infection works. But if we can stop reacting to it and try and get ahead of it, mobilize the public health teams so that we can bring the number of cases down. It doesn't matter if every single case in Ireland is Delta variant. If there's only 50 cases, 30 cases, 10 cases, mm. it's irrelevant. Yeah. We can sit on that. But if there's 400 cases, as, as there is give or take at the moment, that's much harder to control. We, we, know, we're, we know we're not getting all the cases. We think we're probably getting most of them. Mm-hmm. But you know, there, there could be 500 cases a day out there. Mm. But it's interesting that you should stay, say, Anthony, I, I don't recall you saying it before, you may have done, that the government should actually pick up the tab for anybody who's forced into mandatory quarantine in a hotel. I, I've suggested it previously, but as I said, it's not exactly... I suppose for understandable reasons, it's not exactly a popular view. But if you look at the, it's, if you look at the costs of it, it's like saying bring in uh, payment of salary for people who have to isolate because what you're doing there is you're taking away the financial incentive to ignore your symptoms if you know you'll get paid even if you have to stay at home for 14 days you're much more likely to do it you're much more likely to report we're hearing stories from the uk of uh, staff being in hospitals being told not to download the nhs contact app in case they might be discovered to be close contacts cases. But here there's an incentive for people, particularly people on low salaries in insecure employment, not to to isolate. And we need to take that incentive away. Yeah. Just in, in justice, fairness, and for everyone's protection. Over the weekend we saw the benefits, really, with beautiful weather of, of the bit of the easing of restrictions yeah. that we have to date. It, it would be dreadful to have to go into reverse, but are you, you are suggesting we, we put the brakes on in terms of quarantine and rules like that for a while. I, th- I think the thing that has changed here, that has not changed in the UK, is our schools are closed. Our, prior, our secondary schools are all shut, apart from the exam students. And that has an impact on spread. Our primary schools are still open. Mm-hmm. But if we, if we take every opportunity to be outdoors now and spend as little time indoors, where this spreads is crowded indoor spaces. I know there's been a lot of nonsense talked about crowds of young people outside in the streets having what some seem to regard as too much fun. But actually places that have said this is a good thing and have put in the facilities and resources, that works very well. Yeah. And the risk of transmission outdoors, it's not zero. You can be unlucky, mm. but it's very low. Yeah, yeah. And that's where we go. That, that's how we do this. Yeah. Let's talk for a little bit about antigen testing because there's quite a lot of discussion at political level about it now, Anthony, where Neffet would appear to have 
turned their head against it and said, we're not going to bring it in here. We're not going to use it instead of PCR for travel. We're not going to use it for some strange reason, the way many other countries in Europe are using antigen testing. Neffet is just dead set against it. Where do you stand on antigen testing, for example, for travel? I think Neffet are wrong. I, I do think you have to be careful. The UK seems to have spent several billion on an antigen test that doesn't work. Mm. Now, that, that's, you know, that is extraordinary, and that's not what you want to do. We, we need to be sure if people are using antigen tests or selling antigen tests that they're effective antigen tests. And that, that's, that's perfectly doable, but it needs to be done. Mm. I, I read over the weekend, there's about six or seven brands of them around now. And, you know, some of them, and no disrespect to anywhere that's doing this, but you can buy, you can buy a test in Lidl, you can buy a test in Circle K. And one of the things I was hearing was, look, realistically, it, can you really rock up to the airport with a test you bought in Lidl and say, I'm going on my holidays? Is that realistic? You could use them as part of a whole series of responses. There's a tendency for people to want to, a single magic solution. Mm. You know, vaccinations are amazing, but they're not enough on their own. Right. The antigen testing is very useful in some circumstances. So, for example, right now, we're using it in all the meat factories. Yeah. And it's keeping infections down. And in that kind of situation, it can be very... If, if it's done in a kind of controlled and regulated way it should be it can be very helpful if people are selling antigen tests just like any other medical device they need to meet standards and those standards need to be enforced and regulated so you, you need to, if you get a test in little that's great but it has to be a good test mm-hmm. circle k has to be a good test at the airport probably they don't want you rocking up with a test you bought from a man on the street corner but you can actually bring people into an airport and as part of security screening, you can do antigen testing if you want to. Yeah. And it's another way of controlling spread. I mean, it's, it, but it's only part of a, a whole mesh of solutions. Mm. There's a whole bunch of things we do to control the virus. And it's often very hard to know until afterwards what was the most effective. We do know that the incredibly long lockdowns and restrictions we've had were not recommended as a way to control the virus mm. and we could probably have shortened them considerably if we take out a broader approach to controlling the virus. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But there's no magic bullet. The, you know, the, the British had this vision that give everyone an antigen test and that would be that. That would be the end of the matter. It, it doesn't work. That's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of a battery of things yes. that, that you have. The Taoiseach, and I've quoted him on this a number of times, Anthony, over the last few weeks. The Taoiseach said on the Week in Politics a number of weeks back, he said the most important thing here is that when we open something, it remains open. In your opinion, are we still there that when we open something, it remains open? I think it, it depends on two things. It depends on look and it depends on how far we go. So we we could be lucky. We could be protected by Northern Ireland, essentially. Or we could not be lucky. But we need to plan for both. How do you mean protected by Northern Ireland? That's an interesting one. Northern Ireland, because of high levels of vaccination, relatively low levels of travel, and a, a fairly serious public health response, has managed to bring its case numbers down 
quite substantially and hopefully they will they will be staying down. Now there is concern there about the Delta variant but we just have to wait and see. Mm. And you know the way, they're, they're, and they're going to Cabinet tomorrow now to look at different quarantining plans. Now the home quarantine people have their opinion whether that's any good or not, we won't go there. But they want to, they want to increase the the restrictions on travel temporarily at least and it's going to cabinet tomorrow the counter argument that's always made is that sure people will just fly in through Belfast and drive over the border do you think that's a realistic prospect? I think it can happen but the thing about public health measures is they don't have to be perfect you know we're, we're not building a, a wall 300 feet high around the island all we're doing is we're reducing the number of people coming in and what we're trying to do all the time is to tip this R number down below one and keep it there. At the moment, it's just above one. Mm. And in the UK at the moment, it's about 1.5, 1.6. But every action we take pushes it down. So mandatory hotel quarantine done right will probably push it down maybe 0. 0.2, 0. 0.3. So masking pushes it down quite a bit. Social distancing pushes it down quite a bit. Vaccination pushes it down a bit. And all of these things together get us to a place where we can control this. Because just as this virus can go up very quickly, mm. it can also go down very quickly. Yes, as they have discovered. Actually, have you any thoughts? And it's just come into my head, you may or may not. They seem to have had a quick reversal in parts of India, brilliantly. They seem yeah. to have reversed it very quickly. Have you any thoughts on what they did there that we might be able to impose here? I, I think what happened in India was that the, there was a political leadership of truly dire quality that decided to hold a series of regional elections and the biggest religious festival on earth at the same time. And th there was widespread argument that you know, this, was, this virus wasn't real, this virus was a hoax. This virus wouldn't affect good Indians. This virus wouldn't affect good Hindis. And none of this was, was true in the slightest. And reality bit, people suddenly saw thousands of people dying. Now, the, the whole other issue about access to vaccines, mm. and I think the way we've done access to vaccines globally is utterly indefensible. You know, we, we should be building vaccine. We should have been building vaccine production facilities across the world for the last six months. We've done very, very little. Mm -hmm. But that's a, that's a slightly different story. But the Indians have woken up and taken it seriously. They have. Any thoughts on ivermectin as part of that? Because they do use it over there. Honestly, the, uh, the evidence for ivermectin uh, seems to be very thin. I'm not uh, a practicing clinician, so I don't treat people with COVID. Yeah. But my clinical colleagues say to me that, you know, why would we use ivermectin? And looking at the, the data on ivermectin, it does seem to be pretty ineffective as, as, a, as a treatment, whereas there are other treatments that are known to be effective mm. that my colleagues are using on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So I, th I think, again, it comes back to people are looking for a magic bullet. And the ivermectin one. will save us all. Hydroxychloroquine will save us all. It probably, it won't. It, it doesn't, it seems not to work. But that, that's mm. more somebody else's demand than mine. Okay. Lastly and briefly, because I know you have a meeting you need to get to and appreciate your time, Professor. This time last year, Anthony Staines, when we were speaking, people like you were warning, and those warnings came to pass, were warning 
we were moving too fast. You were warning, don't get into the, don't get into your head that this is over. Yeah. Are we near the end now, Professor? I, I think we, we are coming towards the end, but the end is probably early next year because the end is when we vaccinate teenagers and children. Right. Th- that's when we will get the transmission rates down to the point at which there won't be outbreaks. I think things will be much better by September of this year. But I do think that, the, as Nefert has said themselves, there's a real risk um, over the next three months of, a sec- of another substantial outbreak. And the, the message for that has to be stay, stay sensible, stay outdoors and get vaccinated. And if finally, is there a case to be made for if you have a major outbreak of Delta? Let us say, for example, we discovered that here in Cork City, we had a serious outbreak of Delta. Yeah. Is there a case to be made for breaking the vaccine rules and just yes. sticking a needle into any arm that'll take it? Yes, and incre- I mean, it's basic, basic public health. As one of the things the British have done really badly, there are outbreaks all over the north of England which could have been controlled by what they call ring vaccination. Uh, you know, you, you have limited supplies of vaccine, so you, you start at the centre of the outbreak and just vaccinate out. And that is how we got rid of smallpox. That is the method that was used to get rid of smallpox. It works. Yours is the third voice I've heard say those words at the weekend. Yeah. So I think <laughs> there's something in it. Hopefully it won't be needed. But if, it, if that happens, that would be my very strong advice to anyone who will listen. Right. Professor Anthony Staines, thank you very much. Professor Staines from uh, DCU. He's been one of those voices that has been consistent since day one of this. And one of those voices that people go, oh, another one of them fellas. And he's been right more often than he's been wrong. I'm going to stand up here and put, plant me two feet on the ground and I'm going to say mandatory hotel quarantine for anybody coming in from the UK on non-essential travel unless you happen to be vaccinated. If you are fully vaccinated, then that's different. But for anybody coming in on non-essential travel, into the hotel with you. I do like his idea that the government would pay for it. Chances of that happening? Probably slightly less than me getting the lottery numbers. But there you have it. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Cork's 96FM's Select Irish. JC Stewart. Hey, I'm JC Stewart. Leah Hart. Hey, I'm Leah Hart. Can you please take me home? Being the Select Irish Artist for the month really helped my song Older reach multiple new listeners. Isaac Butler. Hey, I'm Isaac Butler. Could change the past. Sophie Doyle Ryder. Hi, I'm Sophie Doyle Ryder. They're all Select Irish artists. Select Irish on Cork's 96FM. It was a great platform for me to showcase my music on Irish radio. And you could be next. If you think you've got what it takes to be our featured artist, check out 96fm.ie forward slash Select Irish. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. I'm wondering what people think. Do they agree with me with regard to the mandatory hotel quarantine for people coming in for the UK from the, on a non-essential trip just for the sake of the next, will we say month? For the next, because Boris will announce this evening 
that they are holding back on reopening in the 21st. They were to finish everything. Everything was to be gone. All restrictions gone from the 21st. That's going to be held back now for a month because of the Delta. So should we respond at this side of the water? We're saying, okay, in that case, unless your trip is essential, into a hotel with you. Anthony Staines' idea that we government would pay for it, a great idea. Can't see it happening. Paul says it's not rocket science. Close the damn airport. If we can't leave the country, we shouldn't let anyone in. Well, that horse has bolted a bit, Paul. It might have been the... It might have worked once, but not now. Nobody will like it here either, PJ, but it won't lock down Dublin Airport. They haven't locked down Dublin Airport yet at all since it started, and I don't think they have the common sense to close it. And by the way, while he's on, why should we pay for others to quarantine? Close the damned airports. Kevin on text. Hey, PJ and gang, I think the ports should be closed. Everyone can use Zoom now for meetings, and then Post and the other courier services get parcels and post posted. Every, yeah, okay. Look after your own, is that... They, there are people who want to close everything now. Hi, PJ, this is Craig, the trucker. The government paying for quarantine would encourage more people to travel if someone else is picking up the tab. John O'Donovan, park the Good Friday Agreement. Close the border between North and South and only allow people to travel to the North for essential reasons. They stopped people from going to Mass and made people prisoners in their own homes and they should have closed the border too. There were massive crowds in Cork City on Saturday night and people are not going to want to go back to travel to a level 5 lockdown because they're used to getting out now. There'll be riots on the streets if we go back to level 5. John, I don't think we're ever going back to level 5. I don't think we're ever, ever going back to level 5. Paul, on text, there might be a fr- ahead of us in vaccination, but you can still transmit it to others. You can, Paul, if you've only had one jab. If you've had two, the chances are small. You could do It can happen, but the chances are very small. Dennis, PJ, asked that guy who's on now, why is it the case that 50-year-olds can go into the chemist and get their one-shot vaccine, but the 60- and 70-year-olds who got AstraZeneca are still waiting for their second dose? Dennis, I didn't ask Anthony that question because it's not kind of his thing. It's not kind of his area. But you've got a point. You've got a great point. From this morning, you can go to your local chemist and get a a one-shot wonder from Johnson & Johnson if you're over 50 and you haven't had a jab yet. But there's loads of people waiting for their second dose who had a first dose of AstraZeneca. And those people are waiting for a very long time. Jerry's in Grange. Close entry from all countries for about a month unless it's essential. And obviously suppliers. Also, no travel out of the country either. We need to get ruthless and tough and stop taking the easy, appropriate way. We'll end up with another lockdown, which nobody wants. Jimmy's in Cove. Totally right on the quarantine, PJ. If the situation was reversed, and God forbid, if we had the Delta problem, we wouldn't be allowed into the UK. You're not, you're not wrong, Jimmy, because they'd put us on, on their red list. And Kevin, and Kevin we know has had experience in, in recent weeks of travelling back and forth. So this is someone I take very seriously. When I came back from the UK, I had to do the PCR test on return within five days. When I did fly, Dublin Airport was like a morgue. Nobody's travelling unless they have to. I'm going over again in two weeks. I wish I wasn't. Accelerating the vaccines is the only way to get things open. Normal is something we won't see again for a long time. Masks, social distancing, antigen testing are with us for a long while to come. Claire, yes, yes, thank I agree with you completely, PJ. Thank you for being consistently responsible discussing this pandemic. You've gained a listener in me because of it. Well, thank you very much, Claire. That's kind of you. 
Uh, Kim, I totally agree with you regarding quarantine. It's common sense. Look where we've been since Christmas. It's not forever. Thanks for that, Kim. When we do a poll, Terry and Maureen with us today. Mimsy, would you watch the, watch the text for me for a little while? Text a WhatsApp poll. Um, mandatory quarantine in a hotel from the UK for the next six weeks. To, until, they are, until they have it under control over there, until they get back to their full reopening, anybody not vaccinated, if you're fully vaccinated, doesn't matter. Anybody who isn't fully vaccinated coming here from the UK on a trip that they cannot prove is essential into a hotel. Mandatory hotel quarantine from the UK for the next six weeks. Yes or no? Just want to gauge what views are out there. What do people think? Because right now we've got an opportunity. I was out at the weekend. It was out Saturday night with some friends. Hadn't seen, hadn't seen them in a long time. And we just met in, I won't say where, we met in a very well-known establishment where they've done a magnificent job with a beer garden and a yard. And just it was just a lovely experience. It was like being for a night out in, in sunny Spain. It was that warm and lovely and convivial and I'm happy to stick with that for a little while but what's the point of spoiling the progress we've had if we allow people in from a very Britain is currently quite a dangerous country so yes or no yes if you think we should do mandatory quarantine mandatory hotel quarantine from the UK for the next six weeks no if you think we shouldn't the cabinet aren't even thinking about it at this stage will they have to be kicked into it in another week or two that's my thoughts 1850-715-996 yes or no to 083-396-9696 now herself made a call a judgement call in Coogan Towers yesterday morning I was going around half 10, 11 o'clock in the morning was warming up beautifully and I was finishing a small bit of work and you know it was a gorgeous, gorgeous day in prospect and I said we'll be head for the beach and she said are you joking me? They'll be rammed. You won't get near the beach. As usual, she was right. Because all the beaches were mobby yesterday. Just completely mobbed. And that's not a bad thing. But it got so busy that we read that the guards turned motorists away from places like the Dock Beach in Kinsale, from Sandy Cove, from Gary Lucas, from Garrettstown, because they just got too busy. Some of the photos, particularly from Garrettstown, like it was like, it was like Poke Fair. You can imagine, look, people want to get to the beach, but the traffic just got crazy. And the guards didn't clear the beaches or take anyone off the beaches, but they did start turning people back when they were driving down and parking. Uh, Councillor Marie O'Sullivan, Finnegal Councillor for Banding Kinsale. Dock beaches, it's, it's not the biggest place in the world anyway. It must have got mobbed yesterday, did it, Marie? Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. It certainly was. It was very busy in town. And I suppose, look, like everyone, we're all delighted with the good weather and everyone is embracing an outdoor summer as we were told to do so by Nepet. Uh There was a lot of traffic from very early in the morning through Kinsale. But I suppose, look, maybe the terminology that, as you have already said there, that went out on the message saying that the beaches were closed. They weren't actually closed, but... The Gardaí made an appeal through the AA asking people not to come to the main beaches because of the concerns they had regarding getting emergency vehicles through if an incident happened. 
you know, our, our coastline is, is very beautiful, but you're familiar with the beaches yourself, PJ, and the dock, Sandy Cove, Town, Gary Lucas, they all have pinch points, which are very difficult to pass by if people have parked badly. Yes. You know, and I think really, PJ, we're going back to those two famous words when, when the pandemic started again, personal responsibility. And like, we really need to appeal to people, park your car properly. Yeah. Because this is the problem at all our beaches. We all need to think of everyone else. We've been doing a great job. And look, when we get out there, we're all delighted to get out there. We're all delighted to see the people coming, enjoying the facility. And just please think of others. Think of somebody that needs an ambulance. Anything could have happened yesterday on the beaches. It was very, very warm. You yeah. know, um, you could have people getting ill. And a situation, a really tragic situation could have uh, could have happened. We had cars parked at the Coast Guard station where emergency vehicles needed to exit. They couldn't exit. Yeah. Now, our voluntary services have been doing an epic job all through the pandemic, adapting to every situation that presented itself to them. The guards, the, the civil defence, our Coast Guard, everybody. So really and truly, like, I think... You know, everybody just has to be responsible again in what they're doing. And like when you're heading for the beach, maybe those of us who are lucky enough to live near the coast, let it to other people at the weekends, you know, if the weather is good, because we, we can access it during the week if needs be. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. like we have asked our executives in County Hall to, if they could negotiate with local landowners to provide extra parking but the problem is, as usual, with everything in this country, is the insurance issue. Yeah, isn't it always? It, always. You know, unfortunately, that is the society we live in. But look, um, you know, just, I think we But even if you have the extra parking, Mary, you yeah. still have the problem of, if you take somewhere like the Dock Beach, like, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's a one way in and one way out. And yeah. if, you st- yeah. and, and if you ha- you'll have chaos. It'll be like a badly organised beehive well, if you actually, have too many cars in there. No, there's a one-way system now in the Dock Beach operating um, PJ so you, you turn left at the bridge but then you come out around you have to go up around to come out by Sandy Coast we say right on the top road yeah so it is that that is working well because it's just completely dangerous if we had if it was a two way system in operation there so there is a one way system in operation Good. Stop. Good. but I mean Sandy Cove, anyone who's familiar with it wouldn't go there on a Sunday because we all know what a pinch point Sandy Cove is, you know? Yeah, you, get in, get, you, might, you might get in there at 11 o'clock in the morning, but getting, exactly. uh, getting out of it... You could swim home, probably. <laughs> Listen, good to talk to you. And, I, you know, it's, 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 it's terrible to be talking about something that sounds negative after a wonderful weekend like this. But it's just, I suppose, people to take care and just park properly. Thank you, Councillor Maria O'Sullivan, uh, Kinsale Bandon area for Fine Gael. Like... They don't just park them half the time. They abandon them. Like my favourite beach in Cork is Fountainstown. I love Fountainstown. And Fountainstown, if you know it, I'm sure you do, it's got that little narrow stretch of road on the way in. And I'm fairly sure if you went down there yesterday, they were like flung in the ditch. You probably wouldn't get a child's buggy through the gap that was left like, what if an ambulance or a fire engine or a Coast Guard vehicle had to get in there? There's your problem. The cabinets are going to do something tomorrow. But I have an idea, and I just throw it out there. And people will call me ruthless, and people will call me a zero-COVID muppet. They can call me what they like, right? I have this idea that for the next few weeks, until such time 
as it's okay in the UK. In other words, until such time as they're back on track with their reopening in the UK, unless your trip from Britain is 100% essential into quarantine with you in a hotel. Into quarantine with you in a hotel over the next four weeks. I don't care. Well, obviously, if it's an emergency, family emergency, that kind of stuff, then you do PCR after PCR, all that kind of stuff. But unless you are fully vaccinated over the next month, you should be going into a hotel for, for supervised quarantine. Because home quarantine is very hard to supervise. Let's call that a spade a spade. Home quarantine is very hard to supervise. Yes or no? If you agree with me, yes or no? To 083 396 96 96. Such a powerful song, and I've made a decision. We're going to give a snatch of it on the program every time we hear the brilliant work of our lifeboats because they do it all. As Casey and Ross this morning, we just couldn't believe that they're doing it for nothing. These are all volunteers. And yesterday evening, they saved potentially three lives between Church Bay and Fennels Bay when three young lads were cut off by the tide. They were out swimming, cut off by the tide. About 20 past six, the lifeboat John and Janet made its way there. John Mathers is the press officer for Crosshaven Lifeboat. John, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Now you weren't on that shout, but but it was a it was a, a dodgy situation. They were out and they got caught by the tide. They couldn't get back. Yeah, they were apparently trying to get from Church Bay to Fennels Bay, and uh, the tide actually cut them off. Uh, they couldn't go up the cliff face, uh, so they had to. So they rang the Coast Guard, which was exactly the right thing to do, and, and we were tasked. Mm. So someone even had to swim into them, didn't he? Yeah, when the lifeboat arrived on scene, along with Crosshaven Coast Guard boat as well, I must I must add them into it, um, there was a number of reefs that, that jut out from that cliff side, and we couldn't get the lifeboat close enough in uh, to take the lads off. So uh, Derek Moynan, one of our crewmen, was uh, volunteered to go over the side and he swam in to make sure the lads were okay and they didn't right, need any medical help or otherwise. Yeah. Also to reassure them. Yeah. And now the helicopter, in the meantime, was on the way from Waterford. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, now, Rescue 117 had been tasked. Yeah. Now I saw that. I was sitting in my garden um, and I, I, saw the, I saw it go overhead and I thought, right, that's someone headed for hospital. They were just cold. Is that all? Yeah, that was that was the main problem. They it was about an hour before high tide, but they were above the tide line, so they were actually safe from being washed off. But the problem was they were getting a lot of sea spray, and they were they were wet and they were cold, and they were getting cooler as the, the evening. So it was it was imperative we got off as quickly as possible. Yeah, because the sun when the sun goes down. And that part of the coast, it, those cliff areas, they go dark quite quickly. The sunlight, the, you lose sunlight very quickly, so you get cold very quickly too. Yes, absolutely. I mean, where they were would, would have been out of the sunlight at six o'clock or half past six. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's just a bit of local geography, I guess, people might yeah. realise. So they're okay now, I take it? Yeah, I think when one of them was particularly cold, I think hypothermic is, is probably a, a term too far, to be honest with you. But the helicopter crew were concerned enough 
to say, well, look, we're just getting checked out. Yeah. Um, and I believe that somebody has posted on our Facebook page that uh, uh, it was related to these uh, lads that they're all fine. Okay. Well, that's, that's great to hear. And once again, we, we thank the, the volunteers for their work. That's uh, John Mathers. He's the press officer for Crosshaven Lifeboat. And remember the names. And if you see these people around today, around Carrig or Crosshaven or Fennels Bay or Church Bay or any of that general area, if you see Alan Venner or Derek Moynan or Aidan O'Connor or Norman Jackson, just, just tell them thanks. And if you see Jenna O'Shea, Molly Murphy, John Meany or Sandra Farrell, they were on shore making sure all this happened. Tell them thanks. We don't say thanks to them half enough when they bring people home from the sea. We, we really, really don't. And uh, another fantastic evening's work by our rescue services. Who, those people are volunteers. They get the bip and off they go. And it could be at 6 o'clock in the evening or 6 o'clock in the morning. They're gone when they're on call. 1850 715996 on the beaches, Tom says, as far as I know, when the fire service are on a blue light call and someone's life is in danger, they're permitted to crash through if they need to, if cars are parked all over the place. And the council will pick up the cost. I'm sure that's probably written down somewhere, Tom, but can you imagine? Can you imagine the calls I'd be taking this morning if that happened? Me car was blown out the way before the fire again. I can just see it. Joan was in Fountainstown. I was in Carrigaline Saturday shopping and couldn't get a bus back home to Fountainstown. The service is hourly. I'm 68. There was a few locals waiting to get the bus back, but they were parked. They were packed with beachgoers and we're not stopping. We get the bus all year round, but now with the warm weather and the social distancing requirements, we can't actually get a bus. I usually cycle, but you can't when you have shopping to bring home. The bus is every 15 minutes to Crosshaven, but only every hour to Fountainstown. Thank you for that, Joan. 1850-715-996. Now, Bob McAuliffe is a taxi driver and the, the nine-year rule was brought in a few years ago to take cars, I guess, that were past their best off the road. It was a safety measure. But there's a campaign on now to have it rested for a while. Bob, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. The nine-year rule when it came in was to take an awful lot of the battered, rusty old jalopies off the road that were serving at the time. Why would we, why would we change that? Well, it's not asking for it to be changed. What we're asking for is a moratorium for um, a couple of years due to COVID. Because um, as your earlier section, you were talking about the effects of COVID. And... To give you an understanding of what I'm talking about, like the taxi driver's workplace has been fundamentally changed mm. because of COVID. Um, where we traditionally would have had people in the morning going to offices, uh, people, uh, international travellers staying in hotels and going up to the likes of Apple computers or EMC. Well, all that has stopped. And we don't know the future. We don't know when nightclubs are allowed to reopen, will they have the same capacity? Um, so, um, you know, the capacity for drivers to earn a living um, needs to be um, looked at. And right now we have, you know, within the next few years, we're going to have over 4,000 vehicles 
uh, that need to be changed. Now, here is the thing. that when the nine-year rule was brought in, you didn't have an NCT in this country. Okay. Like, the cars were inspected by the local PSV officer. Now, we have a professional NCT test, which is on par with the City of London test that they use um, for London taxis. And um, I can be corrected on this, but as far as my memory serves me, the oldest London taxi serving right now is 34 years old. But it continues to pass its test. I gotcha. But it passes its test, and it's a suitable vehicle. So you're suggest you're suggesting that any vehicle that can pass its test, for the moment at least, because of the effects of, on the business, that Minister Ryan would just issue a si- simple order, and and just let them get on with it for a little just while. A, yeah, just a moratorium for okay. a couple of years. The lines are live, and we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. So I want to keep that poll going until about 20 past 10. And look, this is just purely off the top of my head, but I know Anthony Staines liked the idea, even though he reckons the government should pay for it. And there's probably something in that. Jerry Killeen said last week that it may be the only option for a while to impose, for a few weeks at least, mandatory hotel quarantine on people coming in from the UK that are not vaccinated. If you're fully vaccinated, then come and go. That's fine. But if you're not fully vaccinated for the next four to six weeks, unless it's an absolutely essential journey, sorry, but into the hotel with you because it's too serious. What's developing over there with the Delta variant, they already have had to roll back on their big reopening plans for next week. So if they're rolling back on their big plans, which is a huge political hit for Boris Johnson to have to do that, then we should take note of that and say, well, you know what? If they're being forced to pull back a bit, then shouldn't we cop ourselves on now and clamp down and no one come in from that? Can you imagine if it was in Australia, right? Let's look at this in Australia. Imagine if you had neighbouring states in Australia and one state is where we are, okay? And the neighbouring state has a surge. Do you think they'd let a bird fly over the border, let alone someone come over there on a non-essential trip. Not a hope they wouldn't. They'd slam it down. And we have to get like that for the next few weeks, I think, with hotel quarantine from the UK. Absolutely have to do it. If you agree with me, yes. If you don't, know, To 083 396 96 96. Whether it happens or not, I have no idea. But I just want to know how you feel. And to be honest with you, most people are agreeing with me this morning. One person said, "You're a, yes, you're right, you're a COVID Muppet. Maybe I'm, a, maybe I'm a zero COVID Muppet. I always thought we should do zero COVID. I still think we should have done zero COVID. I will take that thought to my grave. But in the absence of it, we should at least try to clamp down where we can. And right now we have an opportunity to do it. So yes or no? Yes or no? So oh wait, three, three ninety six. 9696. Tom was back on to say that, yes, with regard to the fire service breaking through and knocking cars, they're allowed to do that, knock them out of the way if they have to. Tom agrees with me. Uh, the fire service did such and such to my car. I'd have caused, but, but you know what? To hell with the car. 
to help with the car. Let's get people rescued. Uh, the rescue crew have a motto. Yes, and I've heard this before, Tom. I've heard it from you and I've heard it from others. And it's a wonderful motto. Die you may, you may, go you must. Die you may, go you must. Yeah, that's true. Thank you, Tom. 1850-715-996. We have another round of Free Munch Monday today. Cork is reopening and we've so many superb restaurants that deserve your support. So we've great food to give away this Free Munch Monday here in Cork's 96FM. This week it's a voucher for Unkishin Bjog in Skibbereen. And it's all with thanks to McCarthy Insurance Group, your trusted partner and advisor at Crunch Time. C-M-I-G dot I-E and stay listening. And I'll tell you how to win in about 10 minutes. Tell you how to win it in about 10 minutes from now. 1850-715-996. These are stressful times in many homes because the exams are on. And exam stress, like I said last week when it all started, the, the, the worst kind. I never forget the stress of, of starting exams. And then they start and then they're going on. And it's, it's a tough time for the whole house when someone is doing an exam. It, it just is. So there are a number of things we can do, all of us, to help not just the person doing the exam, but to help ourselves. And there are things the person doing the exam can do to help themselves. Sarah Cooney is with the Merry Me Centre, and she's a life coach for adults, kids and teens, and has been on the show before. Sarah, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? Very good. You say that our bodies are tremendously intelligent organisms and that we need to communicate with them. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I think, PJ, we don't realise how intelligent our bodies are and how many processes is like are going on every minute of the day, even when we're asleep. And I don't think we give our bodies the credit that it deserves. So, like, breathing, walking, we do all that without consciously controlling it if that makes sense Mm. so I think we don't realise as well that when we're stressed this massive stress response is set off and the reason being it comes from back in the hunter gatherer days when you know some uh, human was going out hunting and they had to like scan the environment for any threats and like what I what I say to people is your body doesn't realise to this day whether it might be an exam coming up or whether it's gonna be eaten by a tiger. It doesn't like the body doesn't the body doesn't consciously know what the threat is. So that's why a, a stress response is set off. Yeah. So the reason I say communicate with your body is because there's a really strong communication line that goes on between your body and your mind. Mm -hmm. And when you communicate with your body and literally say to it, no, it can be in your mind or you can say it out loud, depending on where you are at the time, Mm -hmm. um, that there is no threat that, um, you know, that I'm in a safe environment. And if you continue to kind of ease the body and communicate that there is no threat and that you are safe, and that kind of tends to um, calm the body, which then calms the mind. It's a vicious cycle between the body and the mind when a stress response is set off. Mm. And what we don't realise is we, the body and mind are disconnected. So when you connect them then, that eases the stress response, mm. stress response much quicker. So 
you say that we should all learn to, and you know, I think it's a great piece of advice because I, I've, I've spent the last how many years of my life trying to do it. Focus on what you can control yeah. and control what you can control. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so stress really nowadays is a perceived threat. It's something that is like, it's something that is, most likely outside of your current present moment that's causing you stress. So it's really important to see, is it within your control at the moment? Is there some action you can take on whatever is causing you stress? Or is it something that you just have to accept that it's outside of your control at the moment? Come back to the present moment, recognize that you're in a safe environment, communicate with the body, and that will usually kind of enable the the stress response to calm down the other thing is as well when you have um stress hormones flooding through your body what we don't realize is that those stress hormones need to be burnt off and this is why all the experts out there say that exercise is great for stress because shaking it off basically is how you burn out the the stress hormones in your body you're like the funny story you know if you were up in the lock one day and you saw two ducks fighting and they they shake it off afterwards that's because the stress response is inactive and they need to shake it off same with dogs when they fight um and we we all have similar mechanisms so that's why you have to really shake out the stress hormones exercise get the blood flowing and get those um, hormones excreted. Yeah. You talk about breathing techniques. Now, what is, and, and other techniques, what is havening or havening? Havening is an excellent technique. It has been around for a good few years now, but it's getting really, really popular at the moment because it's a very tangible um, technique that you can use, very actionable technique that you can use to combat stress. So basically all it is, is it's based on touch. So it's based on a comforting touch. So rub your arms up and down your forearms. Just cross your arms and rub your arms up and down your forearms. Do you hear right now? Yeah, and it's very comforting. Right. And if you do that for about five to ten minutes, basically the premise of it is that it's a comforting touch and it sets off delta waves in your brain, which is a very calming uh, brain activity level. And it is fantastic. It's very up and coming and actually... Um, relaxing, actually. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it really works. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Paul McKenna, the famous hypnotist, he's been using it for years and he's been, you know, uh, promoting it for years. And there's huge research as well in it in terms of uh, birth trauma for mothers that it really rapidly reduces PTSD. So it's a very interesting technique and very, very actionable when stress and anxiety... Well, it's easy. I just started it there right now. You can sit right... Okay, now, there's probably a physical reason why you feel so relaxed. It's got something to do with blood flow and all oh, that kind of thing. Oh, there's a lot of neurology science And your heart and yeah. your nervous... Because, you've, you, because all the nerve endings in your arms are being stimulated, your, your heart yeah. and your blood flow is focusing on that and drawing attention in your brain away from stressing stuff and making your brain work on the neurological stimuli in your arms. That's good. And then there's that, there's that strange feeling when you stop that your arms are going, well, sorry, what happened? Where's that gone? 
Yeah. Do you know, and it's, you see, it's movement as well, so that's why it's really good too. You know, yeah. in a way, you're you're gently burning off the stress uh, hormones sure. as well. What is box breathing? Box breathing is where you breathe in for four seconds, hold for four seconds, then breathe out for four seconds and hold. And you do that about kind of 16 times. And again, like the havening, very actionable um, thing to do when you're when you're stressed and it calms the, the, the neurological system and the, the vagus nerve which causes right. kind of panic in our in our bodies. Because when when we are getting a bit head up as they say, people breathe. Just breathe. Yeah, it's really important, yeah. And it yeah. gets the oxygen back into the blood, which kind of calms the, the stress Does. response as well. You're regulating, yeah. you're regulating your breathing. You're breathing exactly the same, in exactly the same way, in and out, in and out. And it will force, if you are stressed when you start, doing that will force you to calm down. It will, definitely, yeah. Okay, okay. What is cortisol? Is it an actual chemical? It's a stress hormone. And it's one of many, you know, adrenaline would be another one that that, um, is kicked off in the body as well when we experience stress. So cortisol, it's it's really interesting actually because we need cortisol. We need a certain amount of that stress hormone Mm. to kind of get us up in the morning, get Mm. us going during the day. But it's when when the stress is out of control as such and when the, the hormone level of cortisol is really raised in your body, that can cause problems. Because that feeling, you know that feeling you get in your chest when something very stressful suddenly happens. There's this awful feeling in your chest and that is stress. And if you don't, if you, if you can't bring that down, you're in trouble. Yeah, and that's, it. and that's why it's so important to communicate with the body because the body is getting the message from the mind that oh, there's something wrong here, but the body doesn't know what it is, so it can't level out, you know, it can't, it can't control that reaction until you consciously communicate with it. Mm-hmm. Now, specifically dealing with exams, um, you say that people should literally spend two minutes in the morning and two minutes in the evening just visualising a circumstance in which everything is okay. Yeah, and uh, I suppose visualising as well the, the wanted outcome and how they want to feel We'll say if when the exam is done and they're walking out and they want to feel nice and calm and, you know, successful and that they've achieved something. And by visualising that, you kind of bring it into your life. So, um, you know, visualising that also creates the feelings in your body and it helps the, the stress side of things too. You know, it, it, for a few minutes, wouldn't anybody take a couple of minutes of, you know, feeling good over worrying and stressing about the outcome of an exam? Um, that sounds that, very much like manifesting, which we were talking about here a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it would be, yeah, absolutely. And like the thing about manifesting as well, it's great knowing what you want and it's great knowing what direction you want to go in. But it's even more beneficial to know how you want to feel because feelings are very important. Emotions, as you we've spoken about so many times are very important mm. and it's the it's the feelings really that you want to feel from any experience so it's really good to to visualize what it is you want and what feelings that will bring about in your body because your subconscious mind doesn't know whether 
you're experiencing it in the future or whether you're experiencing it right now mm-hmm. and that's kind of the premise of, of the law of attraction that it'll bring that into your life okay. um, regardless of whether it's now or in the future Okay. Now, simple things you can also do take breaks the idea that you would spend every hour of these days with your head clung in a book not good for you? No, definitely not and take a break but really take a break from it as in you know get out the house or go for a walk or you know just switch off from study completely and that's really going to benefit you and also to stay hydrated this is something I realised myself lately when you're dehydrated your mood massively drops and Mm -hmm. I find we'll say I suppose I go through a checklist if I have a low mood is it the moon is it am I dehydrated you know what's going on around me that's causing this because I have to get to the bottom of the cause but a lot of the time I find when I drink two or three glasses of water my mood will improve so hydration is really really important around this time and especially around you know as well to flush out that that stress hormone too Mm -hmm. and and Um, lastly talk to yourself talk to yourself and tell yourself do you know what I'm doing my best and that's all I can do and repeat that over and over to yourself yeah definitely and it's almost a form of hypnosis when you're saying it out loud to yourself it's like a double hit you know it's great to say affirmations in your mind and everything but when you actually say it out loud it's like you're getting it in in two ways and you're you're almost effectively hypnotizing yourself which is fantastic you know it's it's a very valuable um tool as well but um that's for another expert. <laughs> indeed, indeed. All right. Listen, Sarah, always good to speak with you and great common sense. There. And not just Thanks. for exam stress. Like we, can, we, can, we can help every kind of stress ourselves. Yeah, definitely. This way. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, that's Sarah Cooney, uh, adult kids and teens life coach from the Merry Me Centre. Uh, just try that. Just try that for a second. This is bizarre now. I know you can't see me, right? Um, but this is like... Okay, so fold your arms, but don't close them. Do you know what I mean, right? So put them, and then just start doing this. You can maybe hear it, right? Start moving them up and down, right? And just talk away, do what you're doing, do what you're doing. Well, obviously you can't eat or drink, but do, do what you're Just do that for a while. And strangely enough, it becomes very comfortable and very relaxing. <sighs> and breathe. 1857 We'll get the result of the poll... I don't see any no's in there, very few anyway, on whether or not we should do hotel quarantine. And then I'm going to tell you how you can win on Free Munch Monday. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural, and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Courts, 96 FM. 95% of you supporting my crazy idea that we would mandatorily compromise, or sorry, mandatorily quarantine people coming in from the UK over the next few weeks, unless they're totally vaccinated, quarantine people coming in over the next few weeks in order to not let ourselves get into the difficult situation that they now have in the UK where they're going to have to pause their reopening. They're going to have to pause. They'll announce it this evening. Boris will announce a four-week pause on it this evening because of the way the Delta variant has taken hold over there. We do not want to get into that situation at all. A couple of messages I'll read out there, but just harping back to where I was with Sarah, she mentioned the lock. Now, this is apropos of nothing, but she did mention the lock. And I'd made a mental note to ask people had. Is it me? Well, it's not me because my daughter's seen him too. Is it me or is there a gorgeous black swan currently living at the lock, nesting at the lock? It's a gorgeous thing. And I took a double take as I was going past it the other day to make sure the poor devil isn't oil stained or something. There is a gorgeous, big, majestic black swan currently in the lock. Is it... Is he one of a pair? What's the story? It's beautiful. I, past, I picked my daughter up from work on Saturday evening. I was dropping her into town. And we were driving past the lock. I said, is that a black swan? Wow. She said, yeah, it is. I see him from the bus in the morning. Wow. He's gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful creature. Beautiful creature out in the lock. 1850 Right, Dan says... PJ, I moved to Cork from the UK in August last year with my young family. I haven't seen my family since then, and my mental health has suffered a lot, not knowing when I can see them again. I presume, Dan, this is your family back in the UK. I tried to justify in my head that this alone is an essential reason to go, and I struggle to. If I was to jump on a plane tomorrow... Would you expect me to quarantine in a hotel on my return just so I can try to get my mental health in a somewhat better place? It's a question. Thank you, Dan. Kevin, good morning, Cork. My name is Kevin, and here's my tuppence worth for the new COVID restrictions. I'm originally from Toker. I'm living in the UK for the last four years. I haven't been home since December 2019. God knows I miss my family, my friends and Leaside desperately. I have been one of the lucky ones. I've had both my vaccinations really early. early. I'm a firefighter here in Portsmouth, so I was one of the first to get them. 
We take lateral flow tests, antigen tests, twice every eight days. And we wear the appropriate PPE on calls and also whilst in the station. I can comfortably and confidently say I am COVID-free at the moment. With all this in mind, I still think I should not just be allowed back home until we get a grip on this virus. Yes, it's tough. Yes, it's difficult. And yes, it has been and still is very emotional not being able to see my loved ones back home. But it's for the greater good. For the sake of an extra few weeks or months, wouldn't it be worth it? We're getting so close to being able to alleviate COVID. Why take chances? Hope you're all well. I listen to you guys a lot from there, or from here rather. It's good to hear the accent every now and then by. Tis of course by. <laughs> yes, Kevin, from one talker boy to another. Uh, thanks for that message. Um, yeah, Portsmouth, lovely part of the UK. There's two things. Dan reckons he needs to get back to see his family for the sake of his mental health. Would I expect him to quarantine on return? It's a good question. Kevin says he's fully vaccinated. He could travel tomorrow. But he wants to hold off for safety's sake. Two sides of the the argument. 1850-715-996. Right. Free Munch Monday. Let us do it. Get ready. ready. For something high. Cork's 96FM's Free Munch Monday with McCarthy Insurance Group, your trusted partner and advisor at Crunch Times. CMIG.ie. Yeah, I'm going to run this until the end of the hour. So I'll draw a winner just before the news. Our voucher is from Kishton Bjug in Skibbereen. Okay. I want you to finish this food combination. Finish the food combination for me. Fish and blank. Fish and blank. I know if it was any simpler. Fish and blank. Text to WhatsApp your answer. 083-396-9696. And you could be a winner. It's free Munch Monday. With McCarthy Insurance Group, your trusted partner and advisor at crunch time. Fish and blank. Text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696. We'll pull the winner out just before the 11 o'clock news. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Tickets are still available for The Day Crossing Farm, a multi-sensory artwork by visual artist Marie Brett. The film piece streams online as part of Cork Midsummer Festival from June 17th and you can Book tickets at corkmidsummer.com. Access all areas. Next up in its 2021 online concert series, Cork Orchestral Society welcomes three sopranos to Curtis Auditorium in Diva, taking place in mid-July. You can watch the concert stream and the five previous performances this year at corkorchestralsociety.ie. Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a rescheduled show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing us at aaa at 96 fm.ie access all areas your guide to nightlife on the side on corks 96 fm you all know the answer there's dozens of you already i keep them coming and um, there's some people are entering uh yeah three four times but listen it's free munch monday fish and 
blank. 083-396-9696. To Carrie Navarre and to Tom Howard, who's chairman of the Carrie Navarre Community Council. Morning, Tom. Morning, Peter. What's the story with the wastewater treatment plant? What's the problem? Well, the problem is that um, the plant is at overcapacity at the moment. And what we want is an upgrade or a new plant. We want the village to develop in an orderly fashion. And at the moment, we cannot do any... New, new houses can't be built in the village because of the overcapacity of the existing wastewater treatment plant. So this is... Is this in the village now? It's just... It's, it's in the village, yes. Right. And it's there with a long number of years, but it hasn't been upgraded for years. And with the growth in the village over the last number of years, and to the potential growth we're worried about going yeah. forward, because to be fair, Carrie Navarre is like a, more, more like a suburb now, isn't it? This well, we're still in the county. Yes. We, we, it's quite a big, it's a growing area, but the, the area has been impeded now at the moment because of the wastewater treatment plant. It cannot accept any more new connections. Do you know? Yes, yes. So that, that holds up development, doesn't it? Well, that holds up development. We have a new school planned to be built in August. Uh, the community council are hoping to build a new community centre on, on land we acquired a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. And the connection, if we had a new upgraded sewage plant, the situation would be that we'd be able to connect up into that instead of a costly remedy of our own system to be put in. Do you know? So that's, that's it, really. And what's the attitude of the council towards this? Well, at the moment... Uh, Councillor Sheila O'Callaghan has been pressing this in the council for many a day. And it's not, you see, it's not included in the Irish Water Capital Works Plan for 2021. That's the big problem. Mm-hmm. The, new, the new development plan is going from April next year until 2020. And what we're worried about, if we're not included now, we could be left behind for the next six years. I see. I see. So you've got a change.org petition. Yes, and we have a petition online, and we have a petition in the local shop as well. Okay. So far, we have and, and to whom will that petition be handed eventually, Tom? That petition will be handed to Cork County Council, because they have to recommend to Irish Water of the people who look, look after all this part of the, the treatment system. Yes. The council have to recommend to them that it's, it's worthy of being done, okay. that is necessary for the growth of our area. Okay, okay. Well, we'll see where it goes when you get your petition together. It's currently up there on change.org. If you look for Carried Navarre, you'll find it. Thank you, Tom. Tom Howard, Chairman of the Community Council for Carried Navarre, where they're looking for a set, a new set of waterworks, effectively. Wastewater treatment plant for the village. Wanted to give them their spake, as it were. 1850-715-996 on Cortisol. Atican was on to us. He said, just listening about that, I have Addison's disease. I don't have any cortisol. My medication replaces it in my body. And by the way, I'm still waiting for my second dose of COVID-19 vaccine as I got AstraZeneca almost three months ago. Yes, I remember that, Atican. You were on with me. Uh, first of all, asking why you couldn't get it because you were in a vulnerable group. Addisonians, I think you called yourselves. And then within days of your voice being heard on the opinion line, you had your opinion or your appointment and you got your jab. That, you now haven't had your second one yet. 
what should really be able to happen now is, Atticon, that you should be able to ring up your GP and you just get one tomorrow. But Nyack are still faffing about as to what they're going to do to reduce the gap. The gap, I think, is down to eight or ten weeks now. But there was a journalist on Twitter, Philip Nolan, and Philip's got diabetes, and he got his first AstraZeneca jab quite early on because of his vulnerability to diabetes, and he still got his second one. He had no sign of his second one. So a lot of people are waiting a long time for that second AZ jab, which, with the flipping Delta in our midst, is not where we should be. There should be something done for those people and done quickly. 1850715996. Thank you, Eugene, even though I should probably have mentioned it anyway. Eugene mentions the very strong significance of this wonderful song. Which I just played there as we talked about the lifeboat story earlier on, and I will play it whenever we talk about lifeboats because it's such an important. It is the anthem of the lifeboats, the RNLI. And Phil Coulter wrote that song. The great Phil Coulter wrote that song because his brother and sister were both drowned, tragically drowned when they were kids. And he wrote that song in their memory. And now it is the anthem of the lifeboats. Beautiful song. Getting some messages about a well-known venue in the city. I won't name them right now because we're talking, we're going to try and talk to them and see what's going on here. But a well-known city centre venue that has done, in fairness, they've done a super job on preparing for the outdoor opening. We got a message to say that my daughter and her friend booked this venue Saturday night. They had to pay 15 euro each to book. They assumed this would go towards their bill, but it didn't. It was just to book the table. This is surely outrageous. We are going to talk to them and see what the story is there, because that is outrageous. If you have to take a deposit for a place to book a table, fine. But that should be slashed off your bill, surely, at the end of your few hours there. I was out with friends on, on Saturday night. Ah, look, I'll tell you where I was. It was in Barry's. Barry's and Douglas and they've done a massive job out the back there it's just brilliant really really is brilliant and they, they have these wonderful cabins now you're, there are food menus dropped on the table when you come in and I was kind of inquiring as to whether we have to eat and, and the general they'd prefer it if you did we did anyway but there's no question of deposits or this thing but if this this is now has anyone else come across this this is a venue in town well known venue They've done a great job preparing for outdoor dining. Fair play to them. I saw it the other day. But they charged 15 quid each, which didn't come off the bill. We're working on that one. We're working on that. That's not good enough. If that's going on, that's not good enough. Not good enough at all. 1850 715 We've been following this story for months now. The story of the South Dock in Blackpool and whether or not it is going to reopen. And I think we finally have... A date. Thomas Gould of Sinn Féin. Good morning, Thomas. Good morning, PJ. Do you have a date? We have a date of the 6th of September. Right. And that's a full reopening? That's a full reopening according to uh, uh, correspondence I received today from the HSE, which confirmed. No, I have to be honest, PJ, I cautiously welcome this. But the disappointing aspect of it is the reopening list door, which was also closed on the 5th of July. Mm-hmm. And every other South Dock has been reopened now. 
and Blackpool will be the last to be reopened, I think. Um, I cannot understand why they haven't reopened it, like uh, Listola on the 5th of July. Like, Southwark have been claiming for the last 15 months, this is because of COVID. I just listened to you this morning, and you're describing how the whole country, all the businesses are opening, the restaurants and bars, everything will be open by, by then. But Blackpool will still be closed. So I, I welcome it, but I'm very disappointed with South Dock and their whole attitude. Because South Dock, Blackpool, it affects the, the city areas, but there are also people in Tower, Blarney, Glanmire, all the way out the rural side of Cock North Central. And listen, I welcome it, and I'll be making sure that we get a full service. But I tell no PJ, um, I think they've treated people with a lot of disrespect. Do, do, they expi- do they explain why they've got to wait until the 6th of September, which is the bones are three months away? Yes, no, they don't. And the HSC, I'd say the HSC, you know, the pressure that well, myself and yourself and your show and people in Cock North Central who've been signing petitions and sending emails and making comments on social media... Um, I believe that Southwark and Blackpool was never going to be reopened only for the fight and the publicity that we put up because I was told confidentially by a person that um, this was a done deal and they were using COVID but like I I only raised this in the dial again a week and a half ago because I felt that um, this would be accepted nowhere else what's after happening here and mm. three months away, I think, is another. It just goes to show their attitude towards the people of Cork North Central. Well, it's not just Cork North Central. That's the thing, Thomas, to be fair. Like, this has a massive catchment area. Now, I suppose if public health restrictions are such that it's not safe to well, open please it. Yeah, please, yeah, I was just listening to you saying you were in a restaurant last night. Like, there are shop workers. There's uh, taxi drivers, bus drivers, everyone that was a shop assistant. Uh, I was out in the CEO here myself on Thursday. Frontline workers have walked right through the whole of this. Mm. I, I don't accept what South Dock are saying. I don't believe it's right. Every other South Dock and every other GP service in the country is open, except for mm. Blackpool. We would have to accept all the doctors now are vaccinated. And any of the practice nurses that will be there, they'd surely be vaccinated. So... Where is the problem, says you? Well, I think I think the problem here is that they were looking to take the service out the north side. I think they were looking to cut corners and save save money. And I think because of the campaign, and to be fair to PJ yourself, no, you were the first uh, you were the first person to take this on board and to listen to people, and people were ringing in explaining how they were getting taxis out there. Like uh, there was one lady explaining how she is. She has a, a child with spina bifida and she had to get the other two kids into the car yeah. at 11 o'clock at night because her husband was at work. That's an unfair level of hardship for people, admittedly. Do you know, it really yeah. is. It really is. So, so listen, we cautiously welcome it. I'm going to keep the pressure on trying to get her open earlier and I'm going to make sure that out there, when it does reopen, that they give a full service because, like the people of the North and the Cock North Central deserve the same service as every other person. Okay. Every other person in the country, you know. All right, Tom. Thanks very much. That's uh, Sinn Féin TD. Uh, Thomas Gould. South Dock, the controversial South Dock that we know was closed for youngs and we were talking about it months ago. Closed and they pretty much resisted efforts to, to reopen it. It will now reopen. The one in the Sunbeam Centre in Blackpool. It will reopen 
on the 6th of September. As Thomas Gould said, the one in Listowel is opening on the 5th of July. So why is there a why is there a, such a delay? 5th of July, then you've got August, two months. So why why is the north side of Cork City two months later? Look, if there is a public health explanation, then and we and we get it from a public health expert, then we'll accept it. But it's hard to understand why, where, where it could be coming from. On quarantine, Erin says, no, I don't agree with the mandatory hotel quarantine. We have relatives in England that we haven't seen in nearly two years and we probably won't see them for another few months. See, Erin, loads of people in that position. And this mandatory hotel quarantine that I'm talking about would only apply to those who are not vaccinated. So if you're vaccinated, come and go as you please. But if you're not vaccinated for at least the next month, then I'm sorry, but a trip over to see your relatives is not essential travel. Unless, of course, there's a medical emergency involved. Yeah. 1850-715-996. I know, I know, I know, I'll guess much opprobrium for that. I probably deserve it, but still. Let us remind you again of Free Munch Monday, which we will do very, very shortly. You've got about seven or eight minutes to get your entry in to win a voucher for Unhishton Bjog Skibbereen. Finish the food combination. Fish and blank. Fish and blank. 083 396 96 96. We are definitely looking into that. The venue... We, we have the name of the venue, obviously, and we're getting in contact with them, and they're a very successful venue, a very popular venue, and they, they've done a great job on preparing for the outdoor dining. But over the weekend, some listeners discovered that they were being, paying a, they were being charged a 15-euro deposit when they made a booking. They obviously thought that that would come off the bill at the end, but it didn't. It was just to book the table. The reason we're not naming the venue right now is we're trying to clarify the situation in case there's any kind of a misunderstanding. But if anybody else knows of that going on, booking fees being charged and stuff like that, let us know. Cork's 96FM's Free Munch Monday with McCarthy Insurance Group, your trusted partner and advisor at Crunch Times. CMIG.ie. You nearly broke the machine! Nearly broke the machine so that it anthem for a free bit of grub on Free Munch Monday. And that's what it's all about. Laura McCarthy, good morning. Morning, how are you? Good. Where are you, Laura? Um, I'm in Motograss House. Right. We'll take a spin down to Skibbereen some night. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah. Might even make a night of it and stay over somewhere. And on Kishton Bjog, you'll be off there for... A bite of the best with whoever you choose to take with you. You are this latest winner on Free Munch Monday on Course 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 1850-715-996. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Right. Sometime this hour, 
the free speaker frenzy. Cork's 96FM free speaker frenzy is here. We have loads and loads of cool new smart, smart speakers to give away every day. Listen in to win right across the day. We will have a queue to text WhatsApp. As soon as you hear that, start texting or WhatsApping, obviously. And then if we call you back, here's the fun part. You don't say hello. You say, play Cork's 96FM. So we will pick someone from the text or WhatsApp and I will call them live on air and what they need to do is say play Cork's 96 FM you do that you win a smart speaker it's Cork's 96 FM's free speaker frenzy with Blackpool fully opened up great to be back more info blackpool.ie and stay listening to win only on Cork's 96 FM your cue to call is coming this hour don't miss it smart speakers to give away loads of them 1850 715996 Between May of 2020 and the end of April this year, I'm reading here from the Echo there have been nearly 40 incidents of anti-social behaviour on Cork railway services or at Cork stations and they involve things like vandalism, possession of drugs, possession of alcohol, theft non-compliance with Covid regulations is a big one and Irish Rail has now said it's looking at introducing on-the-spot fines for anti-social behaviour. There is a, a law dating back to 2005 that allows them to issue a summons, but they want to go further now and they want to have on-the-spot fines for people like the idiots who refuse to wear masks. Uh, Dermot O'Leary from the National Bus and Rail Union joins me on the opinion line. Dermot, good morning to you. Morning, PJ. How are you? Good. You've called before for dedicated transport police, dedicated transport guard. We're getting closer to a point where we absolutely need that now, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Look, I suppose. Look, I, I'm always intrigued as to why the politicians don't, you know, listen to people's concerns in relation to the type of behaviour that you described on public transport. And again, I suppose really what's startling here is the fact that your quoting figures from a time when the capacity on our trains in this case and then buses indeed was 25% for the majority of that time with a few spikes on 50%. So you can imagine if you had a full uh, capacity back again. That's the first thing. The second thing is that nationally, the picture uh, is, is, is damning and it comes to like 2017, for example, PJ, 690 incidents in Irish Rail, friendly social behaviour. Last week, uh, one of uh, the people in the examiner reported 2,333 last year, again in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, so again, look, I've been calling, and I think I tweeted overnight, I've been calling on politicians, uh, you know, from all parties and on for quite a while now, to, to speak to that, uh, um, uh, I suppose, concept we're talking about, dedicated gala public transport division. And we now have three senior ministers sitting at the cabinet table for Cork area alone. And indeed, the programme for government talks and speaks to uh, anti-social behaviour uh, generally when it talks about giving extra power to security. So I think the time has long since passed when that debate now needs to be ramped up. And people need to, I suppose, lobby themselves directly uh, to their politicians for this. Mm. The, the echo quotes you are saying that there are regulars, as it were, who are regularly problematic. Like, can they not just be barred? Well, here, look, here's the problem. That's been tried over a number of years, and it's not a laughing matter, but when I hear Irish Rail talking about, uh, you know, increasing the scope for fines, first question I asked myself is, you know, who's going to be issuing these fines? It won't be certainly my members that will be issuing those fines, I can tell you that for nothing. Uh, and secondly, you know, uh, how long does it take for legislation to be uh, implemented? Because although we have seen 
Yeah, after the impossibly impossible through this pandemic, but certainly in terms of people going to work and witnessing regulars, as you call them, there are an awful lot of people that travel on trains that are problematic. They have to be avoided. And again, we have people and anyone that travels on trains. We have people who used to work in the old catering on the trains, going back a number of years, or no yeah. working in customer service people who used to love and enjoy going to work, who are terrified now going to work. And that's not that's not a condition where people should be facing it to go into their do the day's work. What kind of things and are they facing? Because I, I do. Remember well, the good days of the, of the catering crew, and indeed, oh, we we'll certainly do. We we'll certainly do. I mean, look, look, people. Look, I mean, it, it's not even any more discretion. The days of people shooting up and and, and whatever doing in toilets is gone, or they're doing it openly now at this stage. Um, look, the train. Well known. Oh yeah, most certainly on the train, Shoot and it's well known. I've said, I know, and I've said this before on this show and other shows. I've said it that you know that, that, that some people are actually carrying drugs. You know, it's it's now known as a drug corridor. Our members certainly would know these people regular. And in fairness to the Gardaí, you know, it has to be said they have some had some successful operations of late. Yeah, but again, unless you have that dedicated public transport division, and I suppose BJ, what's significant for us as well in the MBRU is that the AGSI, the Association of Sergeants and Inspectors. Uh, and I'm supporting our call for a dedicated Garda Public Transport Division. Subsequent course, the resources being made available. And again, lots of money by, being thrown out by Irish Rail. Uh, you know, politically, they may not, may not be able to call for a dedicated uh, Garda Public Transport Division. We are. And I just, you know, on this point, uh, it's not that long ago we had a conference in Cork where we, you know, indicated that we would, would our members would have no compunction to withdraw services uh, in the event of this type of behaviour carrying on. I suppose the pandemic. You know, from our point of view, we were saying to our members, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Those people that are travelling, well, the vast majority of them need to travel. So it's not a time to make an issue of it. But I think the day is coming again, PJ, when we have to look at service provision, you know, if people are going to come under pressure, mm. you know, particularly staff and indeed customers as well. Dermot, there have been videos flying around social media over the last couple of months of scenes on trains and on buses of people who just will not wear a mask and then the guards are brought on and there's a confrontation and it gets filmed and gets shared for likes and again these will be the same regulars doing it all the time that must be distressing for your members uh, it is, and I suppose what's, what's upsetting more so about it that we live, whether we like it or not, and we do, thankfully, like we live in a democracy. And it, uh, I, I, look, without going too deep into this one, in terms of people that are responsible for that type of video, social media circulation of videos, uh, there seems to be concentrated in a concerted effort uh, by a group of people uh, that will be better off, you know, uh, making their case uh, to the public, uh, the same as other political parties, uh, and let the people decide, uh, you know, whether they want to support their policies or not. Agitating and being confrontational and, and, and bringing, you know, the, the whole transport service into disrepute if you like is no way to carry a message uh, so those people either if they want to have a place in society then let, let's join other political parties from across the spectrum uh, and, and engage with people in a constructive manner if they want to be agitators uh, and they want to confront, confront uh, public transport staff let them pay the price for that and again I'm back to my dedicated guard of public transport division they wouldn't carry on with some of this behaviour if they thought they would be sitting in front of a judge uh, anytime soon. All right. Dermot, thank you very much. Dermot O'Leary of the National mm. Bus and Rail Union. And indeed, uh, we have Senator Jerry Buttermer coming on, I think, before 12 to talk about the Stobart Air situation and where aviation goes from here. And I think I will put that to him, that case that Dermot makes for dedicated guards on the trains and the buses, I suppose, but definitely on the trains. And I'm on these, these, these videos. If I see one more, all right, if I see and if I hear one more idiot. Are you on your old Garda? Are you on your old Garda? If I hear one more clown and see one more video from one more gobshite doing that, 
Oh, you want your old car then? Good smack of them out they want. Development coming in North Main Street. We're following this for a couple of years. There are some buildings on uh, North Main Street, 62, 63, 64 and 65 that are derelict and effectively falling down. And a couple of years ago, one or two of them actually did threaten to fall down. And it was a very big story. And the local authority had to put up huge big chunks and hunks of steel to keep them from, from falling down, number 63 in particular. And it looks awful. Uh, it's an eyesore right in the middle of the city. We read in the Echo, or the Examiner rather, Old English has the story over the weekend, that four of these derelict buildings are now to be compulsorily acquired by Cork City Council, that they have formally triggered a legal process to acquire 62, 63, 64 and 65 North Main Street under Section 14 of the Derelict Sites Act. They've all been listed on the Derelict Sites Register since 2015. Patrick Leader of Leaders Menswear on North Main Street. Patrick, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. This will come, this will come as good news to locals there, I would think. It's a positive. It paves the way now for a development of some kind. We can see... You know, maybe a cafe, maybe a, something with the Apple, Dell or Hewlett-Packard idea going in there. It, it definitely paves the way for future use. Will they have to be demolished or can they be made safe, do you know? I think they can be made safe. I think they could be able to tick the box as regards conservation and be made safe and be developed at the same time. Because you could see people objecting. If you, if you levelled the site, you could see objections because of the facade. Yeah, I, I think they should be able to retain the facade and develop it from the inside. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time coming, this derelict site's action that the, that the council are entitled to take. It takes them a while to, to, to move, doesn't it? It takes a while to move, but thankfully the move has been made and now it's full steam ahead for development. How long do you think it'll take them to, to acquire it now? Or have they said... Uh, they haven't said, and that part we're in the dark. Hopefully, the the sooner the better. Yeah. How's business in general? I know we're a couple of weeks into the reopening now. How's we business did, in general? Business since we opened has been absolutely fantastic. People just are delighted with the freedom to be able to go and try something on, and handle something and get out and meet people. Yeah, it's it's been very positive. We I would say the June Bank holiday Saturday, for example, is one of the best we had for years. Yeah. Because people can come in and out of the shops now again. Buying online was never a replacement for the kind of hands-on shopping that you can particularly do along North Main Street. I think both are going to go side by side for, for the future, but 
you, people still want to look at something online and come in and say, okay, can I feel that? Can I try that on? And have a bit of chat. You can't talk to a computer screen and talk, you know, have a talk back. It's, yeah. it's completely different. Like yeah. a personal touch. If that corner were to be like, do you know of, or are there is there talk in the area of of people, possible occupants that might be interested in that corner? Well, there was been rumours floating around beforehand about student accommodation, but as I said, that was only a rumour. So we have to wait and see what's who is actually going to be the purchaser of that and how they develop it. Yeah, it would be much better to see a business going in there, though, wouldn't it? Well, it'd be great to see an actual you know commercial enterprise going in, hopefully on the ground floor or on all floors. All right. Okay. Well, we'll see where it goes. At least it's the beginning of the end of that problem for North Main Street. Thank you very much, Patrick, leader of leaders, menswear, and great to hear that business is a booming again in North Main Street. Small cards on the table. No mention. I know the people who own uh, the buildings, uh, um, and one of them in particular is a friend of mine. So I will stay, remain entirely neutral on the rights and wrongs of it but I do know the owners of the uh, of those particular buildings so 1850 uh, caller on the South Dock issue we have to fight for everything on the north side we have to keep up the pressure we're treated as second class citizens we're salt to the earth girl Thanks. Uh, Brian Gould says, Carrick Navarre is one of many wastewater treatment plants across the country that needs upgrading. The government is not giving Irish water funding. They're starved of money, as is the council. They need to pump money into the infrastructure. It's just on the uh, mandatory quarantine idea from earlier on this morning. This is my belief. I think Anthony Staines, to a point, shares it, except he thinks the government should pay for it. And certainly Jerry Killeen was saying it last week. And I think Sam McConkie also has uh, certain feelings in this regard. That anyone over the next few weeks coming in from the UK on a non-essential trip, notice the stress on those, non-essential trip, and who isn't vaccinated, would need or should need to quarantine in a hotel for a number, uh, maybe 10 days. Rory says, I was staying in a hotel in Sligo over the weekend. The car park was full of both Northern Irish and mainland UK cars, while UK accents could be heard everywhere in the hotel. People are clearly taking the ferry to Northern Ireland and driving down, so any new variants have an open door to Ireland. Hotels should be cracking down on it more, but are they going to say no to business after a year close? It's a good point, Rory. And the border, yes, the border is porous. Absolutely it is. And around the border areas, you're going to see people coming in through the airports in Belfast and maybe through the ports. Fine, you're going to see that. You, but What you do about that, I don't know. You cannot close the border. It can't be done. At least that's what they tell us. But could we not protect us south of the border by making absolutely sure that You can't come in through Dublin Airport. You can't come in through Cork Airport. You can't come in through Shannon Airport. Kerry, either. And and you have to quarantine. Because I don't think statistically everyone will go through Belfast. Belfast couldn't cope. I don't think everybody will go through Belfast Airport. But I take your point, Rory. I absolutely do. The Proc, of course, think I'm making it all up again. And listening, just reading through what they're saying there now this morning, they're saying, sure, the border is wide open and everyone will just go to Belfast. They won't all go to Belfast. Some of them will go to Belfast. Sure, some of them will, but not all of them. 
1850 715 996 Just, I want our... our my next guest actually might just, we might start by addressing the whole quarantine thing because I know Jerry Buttermer, Senator Jerry Buttermer, it's the Stobart Air situation that you're here to, to speak with me about. But I think the whole thing ties in. Um, I'll get to Stobart in a while. It's, it's, an, it's an awful loss, not most importantly for the people who've lost their jobs. But in terms of the situation now between Ireland and the UK, Jerry, is it time to clamp down on, on non-essential travel over the next few weeks until we get things under control? Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Well, I suppose, first of all, um, government are assessing the situation and will receive advice from Memphis, uh during the course of today and tomorrow. And you heard both Simon Coveney and Michael McGrath over the weekend looking and speaking about the the time in terms of isolation or in hotel quarantine. I suppose government policy hasn't changed, PJ, in the context of travel in that we're, we government have been very clear in saying that it's just about essential travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and given that the UK have now taken a more cautious approach to the opening up of their economy, um, speculation today is that their government is going to extend the period of 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 of, of non fully opening up. Um, I, I think we must give every consideration to the whole issue on the Delta variant. We're fortunate now than we were than we were at Christmas, as you are well aware, that we have more people vaccinated, and, and especially the older and more vulnerable cohort of people um, are vaccinated, um, which gives us an extra protection. But at the same time. Um, there is an issue around the Delta variant. There is an issue, as you rightly said in your piece there about the border. Um, and, and Maria Sullivan earlier in your programme spoke about personal responsibility. There, I, I would say the people who are travelling either out of Ireland and coming back or those who are coming in uh, to take personal responsibility and to be careful. We have mm-hmm. done a huge amount of work collectively to, to, to reduce the spread of COVID-19 uh, and it would be a shame now if we, we left our guard down in the context of travel especially. I know I, I, I was listening to Minister McGrath and Minister Coveney yesterday on the radio and television talking about the fact that they are going to bring some ideas to Cabinet and we, and we look forward to seeing exactly what they are. But they don't seem to include uh, mandatory hotel quarantine. The, the idea of quarantine, uh, quarantining at home, the simple fact is, Jerry, many people can't be trusted. No, I, I, I think, to be fair, PJ, there, there, there is an element of truth in what you just said, but a lot of people have been very compliant in terms of the, the quarantining at home. I know of people who come home from for a variety of reasons, um, for funerals or for whatever, and they have been very compliant. You are right, though, it's about personal responsibility in the context of, um, of being able to ensure that all of us now uh, prevent the spread of this, uh, you know, variant that is seem that seems to be um, having an issue with the with the vaccine. Um, Gabriel Scully this morning spoke about you know that the, the the world must live more cautiously for at least another two more years. Yeah, uh, and and you know you can get epidemiologists who will give you different viewpoints. I suppose the more important point here is that the UK have said they're not ready to lift restrictions yet. And in our case, you know, we must get the balance right. We mm. have done well so well, far. what I'm looking at, Jerry, from the point of view that we, we know how much, and being politi- be a bit, a bit politically wonky here, I guess, we know that Boris will, through gritted teeth, extend that deadline. 
he's doing it through gritted teeth. He doesn't want to do it, but he's got no choice. The public health advice is that he has to delay the, fi- the final reopening. That clearly means that the UK is in a serious situation. So we, the, the government of which your party is a member, needs to recognise that and take sufficiently serious measures to make sure we don't end up in the mess that they're in. I, and I, I agree with you. You're, you're not wrong. We must avoid a fourth wave, if you like, the third wave in the UK in terms of the north. Um, and, and if you look at the whole data around this Delta variant where one person can infect you know, up to six other people, mm. um, that's a worrying statistic. And, and I suppose the point I would make to you is, you know, if you talk to all of those involved in, 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 in nursing homes, in, in our healthcare sector, we've done huge amount of work to, to, to vaccinate the most vulnerable now that we've opened up, what we must try and avoid is a potential surge in hospitalizations. That's the big factor, PJ. If you look at that graph around the numbers of people in ICU, oh, yeah. the number of people... Well, in fairness, in our hospital hospitals. cases have gone off a cliff, and so have our ICU, and that is brilliant, and hopefully that stays the way it is for now. We'll and, see. And, and yeah. that's, sorry, that's the point that public health... That, that's what we must do from a public health point of view, is to ensure that we, we don't go back to that sort of post-Christmas... Um, that's scenario. And that's, that was why, a nightmare that's, scenario. Why, that's why I think today with the pharmacies being a part of the vaccination program yeah. where community pharmacists can administer and also which your listeners might be glad to hear is that um, I've been advocating that the, the vaccination centre out in the MTU would be opened up to the general public and I believe there are tra- that's in train at the Excellent. moment uh, because it is important that we, we, we up the, the, the vaccination rollout again. Okay, alright. Jerry, I want to move on to Stobart Air. It was a, a shock at the weekend, and no more than, or no, most of all for those who've lost their jobs, we, we must think of those people and their families. Do you think it's entirely caused by the pandemic, though? No, I don't, PJ, is the honest answer. Um, uh, first of all, Stobart Air staff and, and those who work in Stobart Air and Ancillary, you know, are in my thoughts this morning because this has been a rocky road for the staff for a long time. They have provided a huge and, and valued partnership with Aer Lingus, you know, in a regional context, and, and it's tragic news. But this has been on the wall for a while. If you look at what happened with Aer Lingus regional franchise when Stobart lost that contract for the next renewal, now that's disappointing. Um, that has profound implications, not just from from a, from, from a regional point of view, but from an, an island of Ireland point of view. Um, and I know that Emerald Airlines, which is a new airline formed, I think, by Conor McCarthy, uh, are in talks with, with Aer Lingus in terms of some of the uh, regional connectivity hubs. Mm. It is important from a core point of view, I believe, that two things happen here, uh, and, and I'm speaking purely on a personal basis here, that we, that we look at the whole PSO levy uh, around the... Cork Dublin route, which I know was 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 stopped in part because of lack of customer support. But my argument is, if we can support uh, Donegal and Kerry with a, with a, with a PSO levy, mm. then why can't why couldn't we do Cork? In the a lot, a lot of, of people port? think that that argument, Jerry, is a busted flush. We're never going no, to no, get I, that flight back. I, I accept that PSO from a busted flush point of view, but I'm saying in a post-pandemic world that we could make the case now from a regional connectivity that as we do things differently, yeah. the aviation sector... Trying to bring back Cork, Dublin. Yeah, yeah, but again, yeah. it's a lot. But I mean, look at the long shot. I mean, today is about Stobart Air. It's about government and 
putting together, you know, a, a, a plan to ensure the PSO routes are, are maintained, but also that the connectivity is continued. Um, and that's Just for listeners, important. I suppose we should explain a PSO route. There are certain routes that that Stobart Air was providing which are sub- they're supported by the taxpayer, in other words. Yeah, there's around seven million given to, for example, Donegal, Dublin, Donegal, Dublin, Kerry, as two examples, uh, where, where, where funding is given to make, to make the route profitable or not, but viable is the word, I suppose. So, I mean, I suppose the, the important point, PJ, for me, and, and you could do a whole programme on, on aviation at this stage, one around AV, around antigen testing, two around the whole issue around staffing, and we've seen a whole level of, of reform in terms of work practices and in staffing numbers being uh, reduced. And, and my concern is that Aer Lingus uh, are using the pandemic as a way of changing the model of operation, and I would hope that they won't do that. We had in what way do you commit- fear that? What, what do you think they're doing? Well, you heard there last week where they, 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 they changed work practices, they changed working conditions for workers, um, for cabin crew and for staff. And, and that's not good enough, in my opinion, to use a pandemic as a means of doing that. We had to, we were to have the, the, the chief executive, Everlingus, before the transport committee two weeks ago. She cited the clash of diary that she couldn't come to the committee and, and we made a proposal that the invitation will be deferred and she's available. Uh, my, my, my big thing, PJ, and, and you have been on your programme about this, is that aviation is a very important. Uh, we have had an aviation recovery task force uh, with a report published. It's time now for that plan with Minister Ryan and Minister Nocton uh, to, to, to put that plan in place and to look at how we can, first of all, continue our, our connectivity, secondly, to enhance our connectivity from, from an island point of view, and then thirdly, to safeguard jobs. Um, you know, this is not just about aviation, it's about tourism, it's about hospitality, mm-hmm. but predominantly it's about aviation. I know government have given 300 million in state funding since the pandemic began, but, you know, there is now a real need to, to prioritise and to, and to preserve jobs okay. and, and, and routes in our aviation sector. Let's talk about after the 19th of July, where all going, going according to plan, uh, we can start to fly internationally again for simple things like, like holidays. The rest of Europe or many of the other countries in Europe are now using, willing to use antigen tests so that you can get in and out. You can get in and out of Spain with an antigen test. You can get into France with an antigen test. Many other places with an antigen test. Our leaders, uh, Neffet, and the government seem dead set against the use of antigen testing in that way. That uh, Our aviation... Is, is banjaxed unless we start using antigen testing is the argument from the sector. Would you agree? I would, 100%. I'm, I'm a member of the Transport Committee and, and we've had Professor Miner in, we've Professor Ferguson in, um, in the committee. The evidence to me... You've invited, you've invited Tony Holohan in. Is he coming? He, he's coming in on Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon at half twelve. Yes. Um, and I understand where he's coming from. But I think if you look at... Across the world, as you said, PJ, in terms of travel, but also in the context of some of the pilots around concerts, around sporting events. And, and just today, Minister Harris has announced the four universities where you will have antigen pilot testing. UCC is one of them. I, I think failure to, to apply antigen testing makes us an outlier. It's an anomaly. For example, mm. in England, the Department of Transport requires two PCR tests. Sorry, you know, for Ireland requires two PCR tests. I think that restriction is, is, is too severe. I know it flies in the face of our earlier conversation around the Delta variant and, and, and the UK. It doesn't necessarily, Jerry, because more and more people are going to be vaccinated very soon. So that's, and that's my point, yeah. That's, that was the point I was going to make, that 
when you're vaccinated, it does allow for that to take that. It, it does allow for, I believe, the whole issue of antigen testing to come in. We, we've signed up for digital COVID, sir, PJ, and and that's a, 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 that's based upon testing. It's based upon on being free from COVID uh, and being vaccinated. Um, and even if you take the whole thing around children, PJ, you know. The six to eighteen year olds don't have to travel, uh, you know, from non-EU countries with vaccinated people. You know, in terms of home quarantine, uh, it's 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 difficult for people. And I think that we need to look at the whole way that we are coaching or, or approach around antigen testing. And that's why I think Tony Hulan's appearance at the committee on Wednesday is so important. Let's hear what he actually has to say in in rebuttal of what imminent. You know, people like Michael Moyna from Harvard University, Professor Ferguson, non, you know, non, 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 non sector with no bias other than uh, public health, and, and and I know that's something that we have to look at okay. and we have to try carefully. But I think the, but, I, I personally believe that the antigen testing could be used. It's being used successfully uh, in in sporting events and in concerts around the world and in travel around the world. And I don't think we should be an outlier on that. Okay, thank you for that. That's uh, Jerry Jerry Bottomer, Senator Jerry Bottomer. That's a bit of news coming out of that. I didn't, I, unless that's been announced before, it's a first on me. Uh, uh, Dr. Tony Houlihan, Chief Medical Officer, will appear on Wednesday, half twelve, before the Oireachtas Transport Committee, and obviously will be questioned there with regard to antigen testing, because he has set his face against it for for reasons best known to himself. He has set his face against it and I've no doubt that on Wednesday he'll explain why that is. So 12.30 Wednesday. If you're interested enough to do it, you can actually watch that on the telly. You can, you can, I know. You can, you can watch the Oireachtas Committees on the telly if you want to. That's one people might watch on Wednesday afternoon. 1850-715-996. Works 96 FM's free speaker frenzy. With Blackpool fully opened up, it's great to be back. See blackpool.ie. Do you want it? I never felt this good. Right, are you ready? Do you want to win a smart speaker? Here is your chance. Text a WhatsApp now. Just text that you're interested. Text your entry. Text your name and whatever. And then we'll call somebody back. And what you have to do is repeat the phrase, play Cork's 96FM. In other words, when I call you, don't say hello. Say play Cork's 96FM. Text or WhatsApp your name and details now. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. Okay. Now, someone's at the end of this phone line. Who is it? I wonder, does she do it right? Come on. Play Cost 96 FM. Hello, Elaine. How are you? Well done, you. You did it right. I got your number wrong the first time. I had the number up my screen. Lovely. All right. You got one of our wonderful smart, smart speakers. On Lovely. free speaker Thanks frenzy. All right, you're on. You're down there in Indishan, and Terry needs to get That's some right. details off you, so I'll, I'll I'll pop you back to him. All Lovely. right. Thanks a million. Cheers. That's great. That's how it works. She's back on line one there for you, Terry. Wayne will have another one this afternoon. 
free speaker frenzy continuing on Cork's 96FM with Blackpool fully opened up. Great to be back. See blackpool.ie and stay listening to win only on Cork's 96FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With dairy-made premium spread, 100% natural and made in Cork using West Cork cream. I know Texas is an incredible city. Using gun-toting, oil-barren kind of like... But hey, why? Is, 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 is there like 10-gallon hats of fellas with guns on? Do it's, people get thrown out of windows in pubs? No, it's, it's not the When you walk into west. a bar, when, when, you, when you walk into a bar, there's a fella playing the piano. Stop Does he playing. stop and everyone look at you? Does the barman always pour a nondescript drink into a small glass and slide it towards you? Yeah. <laughs> Casey and Ross in the morning with no DC cars Blackpool for Skoda in the city. A long-standing tradition in Cork. Open 24-7 at nildc.com. Cork's 96 FM. John and Blackpool wants to know any update on the woman who had the water leak. Uh, was that Bridget on Friday? At the last we heard, uh, Dave Gibbons' plumber was going to go and see could he sort her out there and then at least by finding the leak and stopping it that's as much as we know at this point haven't I don't think heard back from her today 1850 let's go to Adam O'Brien the founder of the Hellhounds who are the new Cork rugby club uh, they've been ratified as IRFU members but they're an LGBT inclusive rugby club Adam good morning to you Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Now, there are three such clubs now in, in, in Ireland, but this is the first one in Cork. How was it set up? Uh, it was set up because of my experience with the club in Dublin, the Emerald Warriors, um, the other club being the Belfast Aslans. And I had such a great time up in Dublin, um, hanging out with the lads, training with them, sort of making friends and having exercise, doing exercise on the pitch. And I wanted to, I came back home, uh, wanted to bring that kind of community and that sort of spirit back to Cork. And it kind of just started with the phone calls with the gay project on South Mall and it took off. And yeah. So what's the purpose behind setting up an LGBT inclusive team like that? Uh, it's to essentially create a, a space, um, sort of uh, a safe space for LGBT uh, uh, people and within the community it's not to say that other rugby clubs aren't it's more there's essentially more of us around we can kind of hang out more and everything else so it's just to bring bring people within the same community together um you know under uh, social or playing rugby itself and you've got a lot of members coming in to join have you yeah yeah um i'd say we have have about in and out people uh, checking it out about 25 now and then Sort of, we've got a WhatsApp group set up, and it's about forty, give or take, at the moment. So it's, it is taking off nicely. Excellent. Now, being registered by the IRFU or ratified by the IRFU, how important is that? Um, it's very important. It uh, sort of starts us off. So rather than just being a, a group of friends uh, throwing around a ball, that it's um, we're now registered to play in the, the different leagues and everything else. So we become essentially more official. Um, for us, so it's kind of um, cements us as a club. Right. So, I mean, is there is there an All Ireland League ambition here, Adam, to get involved uh, in something like that, or well, is that possible? 
uh, hopefully, uh, eventually. So we are only starting off. We would be hoping to play um, eventually in the junior leagues. Right. Within Munster Rugby, there's a domestic league um, of J1, J2 and J3, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Um, so because we're starting off, we're mainly a club uh, catered for people who are literally just starting off. Uh, the vast majority of our players have never touched a ball before. Um, so the first year we might be doing a lot of training, getting everyone up to speed and playing some friendlies. And then next season, um, looking at, say, J3 or J2, okay. uh, sort of starting off and getting into it all uh, down here in Cork. Okay. Well, we'll we'll watch that with, with interest and congratulations on getting the status with the IRFU. That's Adam O'Brien, founder of the Hellhounds Rugby Club. For a last quick call today, I'm going to go to Bernie on mandatory hotel quarantine. Bernie, good morning. Good morning, PJ. You think people should have to quarantine? Yes, I think they. Everyone should. Everyone coming into the country should quarantine, and they should. They should stay in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Where they're supervised, and you know, yeah, that's my opinion. And I think they need to pay for it themselves. Yeah, Professor Staines was saying this morning it would be easier if the government did it, paid for them. But you can't put the price on the Irish, you know, this state, you know. Mm. I just think you can't put that money on the Irish state. We all have made sacrifices, you know, and people in this country haven't seen some of their family up the country with over 12 months, you know. Yes. So why are people going out and coming in or people coming in from another country? We can't be looking after people coming in from another country. It's the people in this, some of the people in this country haven't seen their, their families yet. Mm. But you, you do believe that anybody coming in from the UK at the moment should be going into hotel. Bernie, thank you. Tom says Jerry Bottomer was one of the rule breakers himself, a la Golfgate. Here he is on air telling us about how safe we should be. I know, I know, but look, that's, that's, that's how things work. Ah, on the dining charges, and we are going to do more work on this. Uh, I was on Princess Street on Friday. I had a booking in one of the establishments. Again, we won't name the establishment. I paid €10 for the booking, presuming it would come off the bill at the end. It didn't. I also gave a €10 tip. I was going to leave it out, but I heard you talking about the €15 fee for another establishment. If this continues, it will be to the detriment. So there's a second establishment. Now, a second very well-known establishment taking a tenner to hold the table, but not knocking it off the bill. Earlier on, we heard of one very well-known establishment taking 15. I'm not too sure whether there's 15 for the table or 15 per person. But taking 15, and it doesn't come off the bill. If you're going to take a deposit on a table, it should surely come off the bill. So we're going to find out more about this, because if it is going on, then that's not good enough. Courts 96 FM. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.